So I haven't memorised my psalm. Sorry, Jimmy. Um, but I would like to start by reading the psalm that I'm going to talk about, which is Psalm 139. Um, this psalm is um, particularly close to my heart. It is a psalm that I go to when I'm at that point of being completely hopeless. And um, I've had quite a few moments of those over the last couple of years. Um, so it's been really helpful to just be in that moment where I can give it all to God and be like, actually, of course he's got me. Of course, I'm not going to be failed. So I'll start off by reading the psalm. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, you saw, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Where I count, were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked, away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, or abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there are any offensive ways in me and lead me in the way of the everlasting. So this psalm is arguably one of the most well-known psalms in the Bible and one that I cling to in order to reaffirm my faith and my identity. Some of the verses in this psalm, I think, are really well known and are heard quite a lot. And so they can sometimes be at risk of being diluted and have less impact. And so that's why I wanted to spend some time on this psalm today and give it the importance that I feel it deserves. For me, it gives a fundamental understanding of where our identity lies. It brings a comforting and powerful truth that you and I were designed we were created with such complexity and care and with great purpose. David writes this psalm in a way of an address to God. He, he says it to him, acknowledging it to him and giving him the glory for it. He writes this psalm in such a passionate way and in speaking it to God, um, he does so with sincerity and reverence. He also lays it down as an application to himself you have searched me, you know me, reaffirming his acceptance and creation in Christ. And when I imagine David singing this psalm to God, I think he must have been in such a place of awe to be able to declare these words. God is all-knowing. He knows all of our actions, all of our thoughts, and all of our words. 
He knows us better than we know ourselves. He is intimately acquainted with all our ways. He knows where we go, what we think, what we say, what we dream about, what we text, what, we ha- what conversations we have. He knows what we think and what we say even before it's entered into our heads. He watches us and he observes us. We live in a really free and connected world. And it's really easy to lose sight of who we are, who we're living for, and who we're trying to impress. We can go online. We can look and see what all of you guys are doing on Facebook. I can look and see what my family are doing across the whole world. I can quite easily send a message to the world and let everyone know what I'm doing in my social network and just wait for those likes which somehow satisfy a little piece of acceptance inside of me. So why is it then in such a connected world when we have so much freedom and so many people to communicate to, there's still this heightened sense of inner isolation and loneliness? And God fully encompasses us. He says in that psalm, we're hemmed in, you hem me in. We're literally hedged in and fully encompassed in his presence. Not only that, he's got his hand on us as well. We're fully enveloped in him. We cannot see God, and we cannot escape God. In coming to know him, we come to truly know ourselves. In the blinding light of his holiness, we recognize instantly the desperate need we have for inner purity. There's no escape from God and the thorough knowledge he has of us. Wherever we are, we're under the eye and the hand of God. David exclaimed, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high, I cannot attain it. It's just beyond me, it's out of my reach. It's out of my depth of my understanding. There never was a time in which we were unknown to God and there never will be a moment in which we shall shall be beyond his observation. So since we cannot escape from this all-knowing, all-present, all-wise creator, we cannot escape from the need for holiness. The more we allow ourselves to accept this, the more we understand our creator, and therefore the more we understand ourselves. The more we develop in our personal relationship with God, the more we understand our identity in Christ and the acceptance and the freedom that that brings. So then David goes on and talks about, in verse 7 to 12, um, where can I go to hide? Well, simply put, there's nowhere you can hide from God. Um, And as I was praying about these verses and thinking about how to talk about them, I came up with two different views of of how we can see these verses. The first one um, brought me to a little game of hide-and-seek that I'm sure if you're parents, you've played it many, many times. Um, It takes great acting skills on the parents' behalf to be able to play a good, successful game of hide-and-seek. Um, So often Oscar would go off and hide and he'd be uh, giggling away behind the curtain thinking it was the best hiding place he'd found. And um, I'd really over-exaggerate my my searching for him, looking under cushions, tables, chairs, all the while seeing these little feet poking out from behind the curtain and hearing this little giggling, knowing full well where he is. And the other great one he used to do is just stand there and close his eyes Because if he couldn't see me, then I couldn't see him, of course. So surely there's a place we can hide from God. Surely if he can't see me, sorry, if I can't see him, he can't see me all the time. He can't be watching me all the time. There must be a corner of darkness where I can hide my shame from God. 
a dark corner where he won't look. We cannot see God and we cannot escape God. There's no part of our lives that is not completely exposed to him. Do we fear this? Does this thought of being so intimately known by God provoke the reaction to ask, where can I hide? The second take on it was, um, can God see me in my darkest worry, in my pain, in my anxiety, in my grief, in my loss, in my depression, when I'm isolated, when I'm alone, my hidden struggles, where will he be then? Will I be in darkness then? Will I be unreachable? When I shut everyone out and I can't quite put into words how I feel and I don't let anybody in, will he still be, will I be in the darkness then? Will he be shut out? Will this cut me off from God? Well, there is a friend that is closer than a brother that can and will break through the darkness to pour in his light. As it says in the psalm, even the darkness will not be dark to you. God sees us so clearly. He imagined... Oh, that's my place here. Hang on a sec. Sorry. He imagined all your qualities and characteristics before you even existed. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. I'm going to read a section of a book. Um, these words just absolutely stunned me at how wonderfully we are made. Every second, more than 100,000 chemical reactions take place in your brain. It has 10 billion nerve cells to record what you see and hear. That information comes to your brain through the miracle of the eye, which has 100 million receptor cells in each eye. The system makes the equivalent of 10 billion calculations per second before the image reaches the eye. Your tear ducts supply a bacteria-fighting fluid to protect your eyes from infection. The tears that fight irritants differ from the tears that fight sadness, which contain 24% more proteins. That's not to mention the miracle of the ear and how it translates sounds waves into meaningful speech and sounds or touch or taste or smell. One square inch of your skin has about 625 sweat glands, 19 feet of blood cells, and 19,000 sensory cells. Working in coordination with your brain, it maintains your body's perfect temperature under all weather conditions. You have more than 200 bones, each shaped perfectly for its function, connected intricately to one another. More than 500 muscles connect these bones. Some obey willful commands, others perform their duty in response to unconscious commands from the brain. They all work together to keep us alive. The heart muscle itself beats over 103,000 times each day, pumping your blood a distance of 168 million miles. Coupled with that, your lungs automatically breathe in the right amount of life-giving oxygen, which just so happens to be in the right proportions in our atmosphere. A single human chromosome contains around 20 billion bits of information. That's equivalent to about 3 billion letters in the alphabet. If there are approximately six letters in an average word, the information content of a human chromosome corresponds to about 500 million words. If there are about 300 words on an ordinary page of a printed book, this equates to about 2 million pages. And if a typical book contains about 500 pages, the information content of a single human chromosome is equivalent to some 4,000 books. 
This information, incredibly, is taken from Carl Sagan's book, Dragons of Eden, Speculations on the Evolution of Human Intelligence, who believes that all of this happened by chance. We are fearfully, wonderfully, and purposefully made. You, we, were made in God's image, intricately woven together by the perfect designer. Is that what we see when we look at ourselves? Or has this world distorted that image? Are we caught up in the broken world, striving for the world's version of perfection? I know I've had to stop myself on a number of occasions looking through different social media sites um, and think about comparing my life or myself to the latest fashion or the latest trend. And I have to ask myself, who am I trying to please? Why do I and so many others crave to fit into a mould that society is telling us to fit in and then society goes and changes that mould to fit the latest fashion or trend? When we begin to understand our identity in Christ, the pieces of puzzle of life start to fit together. Are we viewing ourselves through the distorted lens of the world or are we able to see ourselves the way God does? I'm just going to read a section from Ephesians which is a book that we know very well as a church. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given to us in the one he loves, in him we have redemption through his blood in forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. That's who we are. We're made in his image and we're adopted into the sonship of Jesus Christ, which is incredible, right? So David paints this beautiful picture of God being with us from the moment we fall asleep to the moment we wake up. We can take great comfort in knowing that we're never truly alone and there's nothing that is incapable for God. The person who knows us better than we know ourselves is always with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He knows you and all your ways and he loves you with an everlasting love. Amen.